You are listening to the 10 Minute Entrepreneur Podcast with host Sean Castrina. I'm excited about today's podcast. I have a founder of a company. I have an author of the book, Holy Shift, Moving Your Company Forward to the Future of Work. I have Dan Michelson with me here today. Dan, it's great to have you on the podcast. Yeah. Hey, Sean, I really appreciate the opportunity. I've been listening to your podcast, as I've told you. So it's uh, it's really a uh, really cool experience to great. be on it. Now you found it in common. But what I want to talk about, obviously, is your book, but I like to kind of get into a little bit of the background. So when did you know you were an entrepreneur and how did you know you were an entrepreneur? Uh, you know what? To be honest, I'm still figuring that out. Uh, so I spent 30 years working for initially for large companies. Then I went to a series of restarts. One company, we grew from 50 people to 5,000 people. So I was the chief marketing officer and chief strategy officer, really in the healthcare tech space. Um, so if you ever go to your doctor's office and they pull up an electronic record, uh, you could say, hey, I know a guy. Uh, so that was me who did a lot of that work along with a ton of other people. And then for the last 10 years, I had an opportunity to restart a company. So it was a 15-year-old company and grew that company from 50 people to 500 and became a staple, not on the clinical side of healthcare, like electronic records, but on the financial side of healthcare. And it also became one of the top 20 companies in the world on Glassdoor. So the secret sauce, if you will, the growing and scaling those companies in both cases was culture. Um, so not just the culture within the company, but also with customers. So this was a place in both cases where people love to work and customers love to work with us. And so at the end of COVID or kind of like in between that time, it was time for me to take on a new challenge. And I saw this issue that every company was struggling with how to bring people back. And my little epiphany was, okay, well, maybe there's a way to bring people forward and to use this opportunity as a catalyst uh, to create a better way of working. And so I left my kind of semi-perfect job after 10 years to starting Common and to write this book. So the book is really about the mindset shift that needs to take place. And the uh, the company is really about creating a tool set, a SaaS application to help support that shift. Yeah. And a couple of things that you brought out that I think is important too. And, and I say this to the audience, some people are not designed to start a company you would be better off joining forces with someone who's already kind of got it off the ground, but they don't know how to scale it. And because and, it's a different skill set. It's a very different skill set. And I've always said, like, if I, if somebody's, if I didn't have any money right now, I woke up tomorrow, or whatever, and, and it all went to crap. I'm not necessarily sure I would start a company as I would probably interview with a company that I could dramatically improve and then get equity based on you know, what I did for the company instead of getting it off the ground and spending those two years, I don't care who you are. It's it, you, getting it off the ground takes a period of time. I, I think there is that unique skill set and taking something that already breathes and cr making it muscular. Well, you're, you're totally right, Sean. And so for me, I, you know, I was working for these very large 10, 20,000 person companies, right? So that kind of experience. Then I read about this sleepy little company with 50 people that was losing a ton of money. And I'm like, first child, my, my daughter, Emma, was just about to be born. And I'm like, perfect. Uh, I'm going to take a pay cut and uh, go to a company that uh, may not make it to, to, to tomorrow. Um, but I believed in kind of the opportunity to bring automation to healthcare, really, which was the big idea. And learn, to your point, Sean, to learn from somebody who had done this. So I was going to work for a serial entrepreneur. His name is Glenn Tolman. He had started three public companies that ended up going public. 
And so I acquired that skill set over that 10 years, 12 years of working with Glenn, uh, where I could then go, you know, build a company yeah. on my own uh, or build up a company and now start one on my own. So, yeah, I think, you know, we learn, obviously, some of us naturally, Sean, it sounds like you have an inclination to be kind of entrepreneurs. Other of us, you know, it's it's more of an acquired skill, uh, perhaps over time. And uh, we kind of get to get through those early stages because we know what can come next. Yeah, no, it's we all have different skill sets and different areas of giftedness. I always say the important thing is you know where yours is at. I'm good at getting things off the ground, but then I get bored. So I typically bring in much more patient personalities that <laughs> that want the long haul. Like they, they're not good at coming up with that initial idea. Like when I come up with it, they always say that's never going to work. Like my partners, I'll come up with something. Go, it's never going to work. They give me the five reasons why it's going to work, why it won't work. And then at two years from then, I remind them that it did work. And now we have a new, you know, million dollar profit stream. So d different gifts. So now you wrote this book, Holy Shift, Moving Your Company Forward to the Future of Work. Tell us about the book, why the book, and what, you know, in a, in a short period of time, what my audience can learn from it. Yeah, well, listen, I'll, I'll zoom out a little bit. So I did research with 1,671 CEOs in um, uh, companies covering 47 countries in 97 different industries. And I really wanted to see kind of how they were feeling about the future. And, you know, the one common theme is there was really a crisis of confidence when it came to company culture. That was the one consistent theme. So what does that mean? Well, as I kind of, you know, shared with you in terms of my experience, the, the really standard for understanding employee experience is called glass doors, where people leave uh, surveys, uh, actually primarily when they leave a company, Sean. So it's not always pretty, com it's not always that complimentary. Uh, but we were one of the top 20 companies in the world on Glassdoor. So that's how we were looked at by employees. You know, it, so things had shifted and that was clear. And my inspiration for the book was like, geez, if I'm going through this, um, you know, I think everyone probably could use a strategy. And when you looked around, no one really had a single strategy, a single approach, a single framework for how to approach this problem. So that's what I set up. And to what do. did you view the problem as? Re define the problem for my audience so that a 12-year-old can understand it. Yeah, work has become transitional, transitional and transactional for a lot of people, right? So that kind of um, uh, collaboration and um, sense of community that came from working in a company is no longer there the way that it used to be. And when you talk to any leader of any company and you say the line, culture eat strategy for breakfast. It didn't come from me. It came from Peter Drucker many years ago. They all shake their head. Yes. So you could say that to any leadership team, any board. Well, during COVID, it ate it for lunch and dinner too, you know? So people really are now distant and have built a level of distrust regarding their workplace. And that's an enormous issue uh, for leaders in the long term. So that's really the problem that needs to be solved is how do you really create a world-class company uh, culture and experience for every employee. What's the formula for doing that? And it turns out there is one. All right. Give us some, a little sneak peek at a formula, at the formula. You don't have to give us everything, but just kind of, because you're right. I mean, even Zoom said, heck, they're, they're having problems. They want people to come back to work. Now, when Zoom, who create, you know, facilitated, you know, the transition, at, you know, out of the workplace is saying, hey, you know, we agree. We, we, we need people to come back to work, we, you know. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, people have Zoom fatigue for sure. And, you know, isolation and depression have a direct correlation. So you're seeing this in the workplace. You're seeing this in 
in schools. You're seeing this in uh, in communities all over the country. Um, people need to come back together in some form or fashion. So I'll frame it to you this way. If you ask a CEO what they care most about, it's really three things, productivity, engagement, and retention. I want my people to be productive. I want them to be engaged. I want them to want to work here. And then I want them to stay. Um, so the question, Sean, that I was chasing was, okay, what things correlate the most with those three things? And it turns out the four things are, and you can look at McKinsey data, you can look at Gallup data. You know, I obviously I did my own data poll as, as I shared with you. There's four things. One is community. Um, do I feel a sense of belonging? So I do, do I feel part of this? Um, two, opportunity. Do I feel like I have a future here or am I, you know, working just day to day, not towards anything? Uh, three is relationships. Do I have trusting or toxic relationships where I work? You know, let's take toxic relationships. When in, you're working with people that you that you kind of carry home with you at night and on the weekends in terms of the, that conflict, that can be incredibly deflating. And then lastly, experiences. Am I getting tangible experiences that help me grow? So that acronym, community, opportunity, relationships, and experiences is core. And the key to any company is getting as many people to feel like they're part of the core as possible. It's really that simple. And so really what I developed was a playbook for doing that. It takes each of those ideas, gives you the background on it, and then gives you five plays that you can run for each of those, uh, for each of those areas. I know. I love it. I've told people this really recently, and I've had this, I had a client who was just not a very great client and I had to fire him. And he's like, he went into the customer's always right. And I said, no, actually my employees are always right. Yeah. And he goes like, what are you talking about? I said, because they're a whole lot harder to replace than you. And and the whole thing is, I said, for, for me to accept you as always right, then the contra of that is my employees are wrong. Now, I have my employee telling me you did A, B, C, and D, or you expect A, B, C, and D. And you're telling me whatever. So I have to believe one of the two. Now, this employee has been with me a decade, and I've never heard such a thing from any other person. And I go, so I had to give the person back his money. And he was shocked. And I said, no, this is the easiest decision in the world. Like, I, I can't tell you how easy this decision is. I, I can't. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Sorry, Sean. Yeah. But, it, you know, and, and in my employees, when they found out I fired the customer, like their rallying was like, wow, like Sean gave back a check for such and such. Well, you just gave a great lesson to everybody because that there's nothing that will build employee loyalty like what you just described. And I've done that and people have done that for me. But when you truly have someone's back, uh, when the chips are down, that's when it really makes a difference, right? And you know that was one of my big lessons is if you're going to build something and build it to last, it's really going to be about the people, obviously, that work for the company. Uh, but people come up with these lines and leaders come up with these lines like our most important assets are our people. Well, if you're calling them assets, that's yeah. a really bad start. Yeah. You know, and so if you're really, if your goal is to make this the best place someone's ever worked and the best job they've ever had, it will be a great culture. If you focus on people instead of collectively focus on them individually, and that applies to students in a school, right? So like, let's say your kid is struggling in school. It's a great school. It's a great teacher, but your kid is struggling. That's all that matters. So if you can focus on an end of one in terms of employee experience, uh, you can make a remarkable uh, difference in not just with your company, but um, you know, in people's lives. And the one thing that I can tell you from my experience and the last company I grew from, you know, anyways, about a company that was worth about 30 million to a company that was worth well over a billion dollars uh, by the time I left after 10 years, 
The one thing I can tell you is if you help people grow, you will grow as a company. It's a very simple proposition. Yeah. I mean, I just think when you have the the holistic view of your employees, you know, that in general, and, and I say we when you wait for the exit survey, you're in trouble anyway. I mean, it has a purpose, but if 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 that's where you're, and I always say it, if you're if you're not doing the, uh, you know, I, I always do the interviews during the year. I don't even call them interviews. Where I just say like, hey, I, I'll just ran. What is it going to take for you to be here five years from now? I, I do that all the time with my people. You know, I love having you, but just care. What, what, what is it going to take for you to be here five years from now? And they'll be, um, and I'm just like, no, seriously, tell me, what is it? What is it you're doing that you wish you weren't doing? What is it you were wish wish you were doing more of? What would be the opportunity that you would be like, wow, okay, nobody can do better than this. Like, mm -hmm. so if you got an offer from another place, being realistic, I always say being realistic, like what would it look like? Yeah. I, I want to know that. And well, let I, me yeah. Let me let me build on what you're saying there, Sean. So I've I thought about calling this book the revenge of common sense. And it's it's along the lines of what you were just saying. So I interviewed every single person that ever came into this company. We had 500 people. So it was a lot of people over the course of 10 years. And I did an exit interview with every single person that left. I can tell you it was the exact same things coming in and going out. You know, it's the people. No surprise. So you, you, leaving a company is really easy. Leaving people is really hard. That's true of when you're in school. That's true of when you live in a community. That's certainly true when you're in a company. So getting down to that relationship level is extraordinarily important. And what I can tell you is if you just did pattern recognition and you were to take every teacher you've ever had, every coach you've ever had, every manager you've ever had, and every leader you've ever even seen, um, and you put them into a blender and you said, I'm going to pour out the one quality that makes them great. The one thing that would come out is they build trust. And you can only do that on a one-on-one -on -one level within a company. So the single hardest thing for your competitors to ever simulate or copy or whatever you want to call it of your company is your culture. It's super simple, right? Um, that is something that cannot be duplicated. So it's the secret weapon of any company. And I can tell you something, you know, I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are maybe just starting out or in that first phase of their company and are just trying to get to tomorrow. I totally get it. Right. But the people that are going to take you there are the people around you. Right. And so it's really all about them. And in entrepreneurship, sometimes you shift that focus to really, it's all about you, you know, and by really focusing on people and helping to build them up, that's exactly how you're going to build your company. So give, because you're going to repeat some of what you just said, but I always say, I want a 12 year old to be able to get something out of this um, podcast. I want it to be that simple. I want it to be that redundant, that repetitive, um, because that's how you learn. If a young entrepreneur, give them some, some, just some secrets to how you build a, a simple way to build good culture. Well, you know, and I do think you were right. I'm going to be a little bit redundant here, Sean. No, I want you to be so, because I would expect it. <laughs> so I'm going to deconstruct what I shared before. So when people feel like they're part of something, whether it's a, a, once again, a school or a community or a company, they feel a sense of belonging. They feel like they're part of it. So what are you doing to build that sense of community in your company, that sense of belonging? And a lot of times people say, this is our mission or our vision, but Sean, they don't translate it to how that individual person would translate that or describe it or personalize it. And so it's a very simple step that you can take is just doing a mission, vision, culture workout with people individually and say the words that maybe you say to them, have them 
share it with you in terms of how it, it, it frames out, you know, in their own experience. Opportunity. Do I feel like I have a future here? Very simple thing, Sean. You do it. You said five years from now, you know, what do I need to be doing in order to keep you here? Well, really, you know, people think in terms of five weeks, they think in terms of five months, those cycles go really, really quick, you know? And so I think you, you know, the, the best practice is to be checking with someone every 30 days, it's a single best retention tool you can possibly have. It's been proven. The data backs it up is to meet with people every 30 days and just say, how are you doing? Right. And what comes do back? I get, do I get to fire them if I'm pissed off after 30 days of their last 30 days? No, I'm being funny. Yeah, right, 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 right. right <laughs> that that right. may go in one or two directions. It depends right, how right. That, well, you've already proven that, that 30 days is going. I'm sorry, Sean. You've already shown that you're a softy, you know, in terms of uh, getting people's, uh, having people's backs. And you and I both know that a lot of people who struggle the most maybe are, are going to end up being our best employees because they care the most. If they didn't care, they wouldn't, you know, uh, you know, they would just be distant from it. And then I think in terms of relationships, really focusing on spending that time getting to know each other on a personal level, you know, you think it's, you know, something you can bypass. It's not, it's the most important thing that you can do. So when you have one-on-ones with people, just spend that first 10 minutes, um, you know, trying to listen, you know, and ask them, you know, be an active listener for that first 10 minutes. And then for the next 20 minutes, you know what, let them run the agenda. And so I, a long time ago, transitioned to having, you know, you own the meeting, um, this is your time, you know, how do you want to run it? And giving that kind of accountability in that type of, um, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, open-mindedness, <laughs> you know, uh, so that autonomy is the word I was looking for uh, to people individually is what empowers them. What we're talking about today is culture. I have the author, and I'm just so excited. I just just said here, I I was afraid I was going to say the word wrong. Holy shift. I didn't want to say that one too quick. Moving your company forward to the future of work. Okay. You know, good stuff here. Um, Let me just say this, is that if you're, a lot of times we get caught up into like the the financial end, you know, well, if we don't make profit, culture means nothing. And And I just want you to know this. Culture will create the profit. We, I hear that all the time. You know, this young millennial, the the alpha dog thing. You know, yeah, if we ain't making profit, it doesn't really matter. And, and what I'm telling you is, you have a great culture, and the profit will take care of itself. You, you'll be shocked how it does. Yeah. I have Dan Michelson with me here today. So, Dan, how can my audience connect with you? Yeah. So the book is, uh, you can go find it at Amazon or Barnes and Nobles, theholyshiftbook.com. If you want to check out the website, our company as it is called in common, uh, www.incommon.com. And the one thing I do want to note, Sean, is this book, all the proceeds go to feeding America to help communities across our country. And, you know, the reason I wrote this is my father passed away a few years ago. He, uh, you know, when he was in hospice asked for a printer, uh, in his room so he could process invoices. So this guy was not a workaholic, but he felt that pride and purpose that comes from work. And I can see that you feel it. And that's really what entrepreneurship is all about is that pride and that purpose that goes with starting something, that satisfaction that comes from building it, you know, and really all I wrote about was how to spread that around, uh, to everybody around you. No, I, I, you know, when you listen to the stories of great companies like a Nordstrom, a Zappos, and you can keep going, you know, tremendous cultures in great in great companies. Um, audience, I want to thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you learned something here today. If you didn't, shame on you. Uh, please get the book, Holy Shift, Moving Your Company Forward to the Future of Work. 
This podcast is brought to you by Gig Strategic. As you know, I'm going to tell you it's the best digital marketing company on the planet for small businesses. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again soon.